Good evening, everybody. Here is the return of Nerd Forensics. We are finally back. And sorry about the wait. It's just, uh, it's been a crazy couple of months. I tore my rotator cuff. So tonight I am actually recording from a gurney. And we are at the Albuquerque Zoo or the Albuquerque Aquarium. We've eaten a sea turtle. And now we're making our way to other things that we're going to try eating before, you know, we get caught. Think of us as a fucked up Noah's Ark where we eat one of everything in the aquarium. It's what Darwin would have wanted. It is indeed what Darwin would have wanted. <laughs> and tonight, I'm going to be joined by... Jacob Urban. And, of course, my wonderful producer... Sophia Baca. Uh, can we eat the jellyfish? We could dry them. We could make it... I hear it's really laborious work. I always wanted to know what a jellyfish tasted like. It's going to taste awful. <laughs> I think it's Everything gonna... so far has tasted <laughs> awful. I think it's going to taste like a gummy bear made out of sea garbage. We haven't been cooking any of this either. We're just reaching our hands into tanks. Yeah, like, you ever see... Um... Ooh, this blowfish. Can I eat this? Anybody that's ever seen Cannibal Holocaust, that's what the turtle looked like, except for imagine that we didn't cook it and we didn't needlessly kill it for a film. We needlessly killed it for food. And a podcast. And a podcast. I don't feel good. I don't feel good. All right. Well, tonight, I'm actually, I'm a little hurt. I tore my rotator cuff, so uh, I'm going to be out for the night for the most part, other than the hosting duties. First pitch of the game. Ah! That's a rotator cuff. His career's over. So tonight I'm actually going to turn things over to Jacob, and we're going to do a little discussion about lost sunken continents, and not the one you're thinking of, because, I mean, let's face it, Aquaman mm, is a little blasé. Wakanda forever. Millicent Oriana, culture expert. While seeking to unlock the secrets of all fandoms, she is exposed to an overload of every aspect of pop culture. Now, when asked a question about a piece of popular culture, she becomes curious. Now hosting a podcast and joined by amazing guests, she seeks to find answers and find a way to live off her talents and to make a fun podcast. So, it kind of does have to deal with Atlantis a little bit. What we are talking about is the lost continent of Mu. The theory of this continent was first proposed by Augustus Le Plongeon. I believe that is how you pronounce his name. If not, he's dead. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I don't get any emails from you people. I want some. I want some Canadian or French people to send me like threatening emails about our pronunciation. Oh uh, well, how where will they send those? They can send those to. Nerdforensics Nerd at gmail.com. Ask your parents' permission and go onto your web browser and go to AOL keyword <laughs> AOL keyword Nerd Forensics. Right. Well, so yeah, if that's wrong, please let us know in a threatening letter. I mean, I think it might be Plungeon, but it might be, but because U is usually U. Well. But here's the thing I know how to pronounce Augustus. So he's going to be Augustus throughout the rest of this. Well, and yeah, again, if French people have a problem, come on, bring it on. I want a threatening letter. Sacre bleu. We will show those stupid Americans who look like the frog, eh? <laughs> I don't think we have any French listeners. Well, we have Canadian listeners, and I'm sure some of them speak French. I'm sure some of them, like, maybe. I don't know. Canada's a big country. Uh, he was born May 4th, 1825. He died December 13th, 1908. 
He was a British-American archaeologist and studied pre-Columbian ruins of America, mostly the Mayan. He was definitely a French descent, though. Probably. I, I didn't look that far back. Right. Like, the, the information I could find was somewhat limited. Uh, I'm sure there were people who did go deeper into it, but I didn't care about looking up his genealogy. No. Look up the name Plangeon, Sophia. No, that means definitely French. Yeah, it's probably it's like, it's like just ninety nine percent chance that it's a French name. Or his parents were having a stroke. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> I like how this is Pain Millie. Yeah, this is this is Pain Millie. So at the age of nineteen, uh, he just decided to set sail for South America. Um, he shipwrecked off the coast of Chile, traveled to uh, Valparaiso. And then he just taught mathematics, drawings, and language in the local college. Sounds like a cool life, actually. Oh, it's just getting started. This dude, honestly, uh, he just seems to do things. And I mean that in a good way. That is awesome. That is really awesome. And again, folks, sorry I don't have the energy tonight. Torn rotator cuff. Um, in 1849, he traveled to San Francisco during the gold rush, not to mine for gold. Uh, he went there to become a surveyor and also apprenticed to become a doctor of medicine. Nice. Yeah. Like this dude had a good plan because, yeah. uh, he drew the plans for the town of Marysville, California, um, and was paid in land deeds. Oh, this is not going to end well. Oh, it does. He sold these plots of land and used this to fund most of his archaeology career. Oh, boy. And uh, we know about this guy as an archaeologist, right? Yes. So archaeologists in the 1800s, culturally sensitive? As about as culturally sensitive as you would expect an archaeologist from the 1800s to be. All right. These archaeologists from the 1800s. Competent. About as competent as a self-made archaeologist from the 1800s would be. <laughs> so, yeah, explain maybe a little bit more what goes into that. Actually, I, like, I can explain, like, I mean, I mean, a little bit of this stuff. I mean, what's that? I, there, there's dinosaur skeletons where they didn't decide to consult with anybody who knew what um, animal skeletons look like, and they put the head on the wrong side. Yeah. Sophia, the guy knew what an iguana looked like. He made an iguana out of those bones. I'm sure he had a pet iguana. He made an iguana out of those bones. That's why the iguanodon, the first dinosaur ever discovered, hmm. was actually like a Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> so, you know, he's in California. He just made a shit ton of money selling a bunch of land. I don't know how well Marysville, California is designed. So if you're from there and you hate your town, now you know who to blame. Because he's the one who drew the plans for it. Oh, I'm sure it's in the Bay Area and it's worth like fucking millions of dollars to own a home there now. Probably. Probably. So, you know, he did that, has a ton of money. What would you do in the 1800s? Opium, whores. I mean, okay, so during the gold rush, it was common for like those little like mining colony towns to just have like one dude willing to put on a pair of women's underwear and they wound up becoming, like, rich because they were the closest thing to a sex worker they well, had. Well, there goes Curtis, the town fanboy. Yeah. So, I mean, Curtis, the town fanboy, and a lot of opium. That's what I'd be doing if I had that much money. I mean, I think it's easy to say, though, that if you went to the 1800s and had a bunch of money, you could do, like, a lot of, like, opium and, like, you know, a lot of sex and, like, you know, like, a lot of, like, uh, like you know, go going to bars. But there's other things you could, like, weirder things you could do. I mean, like, creative things, like cocaine mm -hmm. 
or steal a bunch of money from the Baltimore Sun to spend on opium. Well, <laughs> good old Augustus didn't do any of that. He decided to go to England to attend the World's Fair. All right, I'm liking that. I'm liking that. Um, World's Fair is fun. It's like uh, for our uh, for our listeners who aren't like a hundred, it's like the Stark Expo, but uh, real. And yeah, pretty much. It was so quick, quick over. It was basically the leading scientists of every country would essentially come together and show them like show off new things. And there was like and was art and like food vendors, food vendors. And oh, another in the 18, uuh, 1870, whatever Chicago world fair. Um, it was where Americans first uh, got high on hash, uh, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also like uh, later world fairs where um, labels were shown. The other later uh, labels were shown. Um, the the waffle cone was invented at like uh, a world's fair. Like yeah, I was it, about to say the ice cream cone. Yeah, it was invented at a world's fair. Yeah, so j- just like these gigantic. Like imagine like l- like if your local state fair were also a piece of national propaganda. And they got like. Okay, I'm going to compare this to Marvel Comics because uh, I'm not going to say any smart people from our world because most of those people aren't actually smart, the ones that we would know their names. I guarantee you, all the good scientists, nobody knows their names. Um, or, I mean, there's a person who posts, like, like, like shit posts on Twitter. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Most of the scientists who shit post on Twitter aren't very good scientists. No, no, some of those are the best. <laughs> some are the best. No, it's 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 a it's weird. It's like I feel like the more the the less a scientist talks about their science and the more they post like Simpsons memes, the more they're gonna come up with some oh, groundbreaking science. I agree with that. I'm saying though, people that are just like Twitter personalities, because there's a certain scientist. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. There's a certain scientist I'm not gonna really like say too much bad shit about because like I don't want to start a whole thing. But he uh, he's not Carl Sagan, and he also hosted the Cosmos. Which don't get me wrong, his version of the Cosmos is great, but. God, I mean, what a fucking bad opinion, jackass. If you tweet all the time about kissing yourself in the mirror, you might be a jackass. I'm all, that's the only hint I'll give. Well, back in the good old 1800s, there was no Twitter. There was, the there was just casual racism. Oh, and people being <laughs> excited about the weirdest things. We were like listening to a podcast about the, um, the physical feet trend. So like flagpole sitting and stuff. And there was this guy that tried walking around the world backwards. And it was like a big deal. And it's like, wh- <laughs> like people thought like, I, I've heard people be like, oh, we'd be so much better off. If we didn't have the internet and TV like we do now. And it's like, so we can fucking get excited about some dude walking backwards around the world or some fucking Nazi who fucking killed his mentally challenged son flying across the Atlantic. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm going to try to re-rail this train. Um... <laughs> But yeah, so this the 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 pillowy land of the 1800s, where gosh, casual racism floats in the air like root beer. Soda. And science was was an art, not a science. Well, okay, so uh, here's the thing: at the World's Fair, Augustus did see a demonstration for a new photographic process, and he became really enthralled by it. So he decided to stay and study photography for a while under William Henry Fox Talbot, which a very cool name. Yeah, it sounds like General Talbot. And he was a scientist and inventor and photography pioneer. So, like, yeah, the Talbot was, like, legitimate. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I hear the name Talbot. I just think of that dude from uh, the MCU, the one that, like, wiped out Hydra. 
Uh, basically, like, if you were taking, like, a photography class, you, he's one of the people you would learn about. Like, he, he donated a lot to the idea of modern photography as an art. Kind of like when you learn film and there's that awkward week where you have to learn about D.W. Griffith. I don't know anything about Talbot, so it might be as awkward. It uh, might not be. I doubt it's as awkward. I'm just saying it's kind of like that but awkward yeah. week. Like he's one of those. He's one of those guys. It was like very important to the early days of photography. Yeah. And what did he? It wasn't the daguerreotype. Obviously, I've been into because that was a little earlier. But what do you know? Have any information on what kind of process it was? No, it just said it was like I assume it was a new development technique. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah, silver transfer. Who knows? Yeah, but it. it you know, it's photography in the 1800s. That was like computers now where they're coming out like with a new camera all the time and shit. Or there's just a new like development. Well, just imagine never seeing a photorealistic depiction before and then being like, it's my face. It's on a piece of wood. Exactly. So he stayed and did that for uh, a little while. Augustus then thought he wanted to test uh, what he learned in a tropical climate because, you know, England's pretty like. Cold, cold, moist, you know. So what what you're saying is he's like, oh, I could go to Fiji and work. I'm going to go to Fiji and work. Yeah, pretty much. Um, That sounds cool. And uh, he traveled to the Virgin Islands, Mexico, Australia, China, and the Pacific Islands to do this. Sounds cool. I'm just like, I'm hearing this whole, like, I'm just going to go to Fiji. And it's like, why is it Andy Kaufman? He did that. He's like, I'm going to go to Fiji to get my cancer cured. Yeah. Uh, He then just moved back to San Francisco and opened a portrait studio. That sounds good. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like he, like, I know this doesn't have much to do with Moo, but the dude lived a pretty interesting life, to be honest. You know what kind of reminds me of is uh, Jamie Heineman from uh, the Mythbusters. Have you ever read his Wikipedia page? No. It's like he was like an undersea diver of this, and he did like this kind of engineering and that thing, and then he was like a shopkeep, and like he's like one of the most interesting people. Yeah, I know he's like a wacko conservative. Oh yeah, yeah he he's hates, a wacko conservative with and cool. he hates Adam. <laughs> I know that. Okay, yeah, but, uh, well, that's fun. Uh, yeah. It's a whole bag of worms. I that. think everybody hates Adam, though. I think that's just a thing. I mean, okay, he's really good at making things. Like he's big in the makers community. But like, also he's he, he always rubbed me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Like, especially when he tells everybody to uh, wear safety equipment, but doesn't wear any himself. And he's like, "Oh, I've been doing it for years." And he's like, so "You tell everybody if they're doing it for years, they've been still, they should still wear." Here's your law of averages. <laughs> <laughs> There's a riff tracks called the Six Deadly Beliefs. Check it out. All right. So in 1862, uh, Augustus then moves to Lima, Peru, opens another photography studio. And an electrohydropathic, a medical clinic based on early form of alternative medicine. I'm thinking he was shoving people in a tub and electrocuting them. That's what he was doing. So did uh, Kellogg. Okay. Kellogg did okay. the exact same okay. thing. Okay, I was right in what I was thinking because I couldn't find anything about it. So I just assumed he was shoving a person in a tub and right. shocked. So yeah, I, I like. Oh, go ahead. I like how in uh, 21st century terms, this guy... Uh, went to uh, Peru and opened up a uh, and and opened up a, a web design studio and a crystal healing shop. Pretty much. Okay, so yeah, Kellogg, yeah, the cornflakes guy, which not actually the cornflakes guy. That's the funny thing. People are always like, "Oh, Kellogg, the cornflakes guy." It's like, no, it was actually his brother. 
who was the cornflakes guy. Kellogg, the one who owned the company, though, was like a crazy Seventh-day Adventist and was obsessed with enemas and everything like that. He did that. He did fucking putting people in tubs and running a small electric current through it so their whole body would be all tingly. That's as far as we'd go. I will say he is the uh, the the cornflakes guy in the sense that he he did invent the cornflake that doesn't cut your mouth. Mm-hmm. Just the other guy added like flavor to it. Yeah, he added flavor salt and sugar. It. Like yeah, that's why it. they yeah. fought is because he didn't like them tasting like cardboard. Well, then we'll form our own town. Who will come and live a life devoted to chastity, abstinence, and a flavorless mush I call root marm? I was gonna say though, yeah, that's the thing about like Kellogg is. Uh, yeah, he was he was just some weird guy. Like his the brother, the one that's like known for everything, was like a weird fucking like enema guy. That's all he really was. I mean, anybody, any of you either like any of you see that uh, Mel Brooks movie, Dracula Dead and Loving It? That's one of the few I haven't seen. Oh my god, it's so it's underrated. I've I'm, seen clips from it. I'm gonna die on this fucking cross because I know there's gonna be like Mel Brooks people who are like, no, that movie sucks. It's not Blazing Saddles. And it's like, I'm not asking for Blazing Saddles. I consider a Predator review where they're like, it's not Arnold to be a stupid review. So while in Peru, uh, over the next eight years, so from 1862 to 1870, he just kind of traveled around Peru taking pictures of ancient ruins while electrocuting villagers. Uh, uh, okay, okay. At, first, at first, I was relieved because you said it's the 1800s. He travels around Peru taking pictures of, and it gets so nervous, and it's of you know ruins. Uh. And electrocuting villagers. Oh, he's doing something to the villagers. Well, I mean, that's what I assume the electrohydropathic was for. I'm working on a biography of Benjamin Franklin. He's a fascinating man. He discovered electricity and used it to torture small animals and green mountain men. And that key he tied to the end of a kite, it opened the gates of hell. So while traveling around, uh, this is when he began to develop his theories that civilization actually began in the Americas. Now, most uh, paleontologists, well, I, archaeologists, paleontologists, they'll tell you that human civilization kind of sprouted from the Mediterranean. and Well, it also depends on what you mean by... from the Mediterranean. Or not the Mediterranean. Uh, well, okay, we want to talk about human beings, Africa. Yeah, that's, that's usually the thing I was going to say is that depending on what point you want to count um, civilization as starting, it, 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 you, count, you can figure out a place where it started, right? Yeah, yeah right. So if you, if you want but, to count, if you count, count writing, it's the middle Regardless, there's a very clear trend of human beings migrating out of Africa into Europe and Asia, or the Middle East, and then into Asia, and then crossing the land bridge, mm-hmm. and then back down through the Americas. Yeah, oh, shit. yeah, both the land bridge and actually across the Pacific, a lot of new evidence. Because shit yes, gets hot. Yeah, the, what? Shit gets hot. That's what, or shit gets cold. And, or are you hot? Shit yeah, gets shit gets hot cold. Shit gets hot. Yeah. Like, that's why but, people leave places. Yeah. A lot of the islands in the Pacific were, like, one of the last places to be inhabited. Just it's simply because it was so hard to travel to. And, you know, the Polynesians who did it, they used like rafts and canoes, like little boats to do this. Crazy ones that could glide over the waves. Well, and like so common thing is sorry to cut you off. uh, If they were caught in a storm there, a common thing was they were able to flip the boat over and just like 
ride it out underneath the fucking boat. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah, honestly, like I was going to say, like weirdly, one of the best, maybe not weirdly at this point, because Disney does their research nowadays. Um, I'm not I'm not saying they're a good uh, company, bad company, whatever. But um, uh, Moana has like one of the most accurate depictions of um, of a navigation where the where, where, where there has there there's this whole song where they're talking about navigating uh, using the stars and they use their they like move their look their look at the sky and look at it against their hand and stuff like that yeah and all of that was actually like genuine techniques that were used I thought yeah. it was really cool to see in a movie I never thought I'd see that in a movie that's one of my favorite Disney movies just because of like how like crazy accurate it is to Polynesian shit. I'm going to I'm gonna do a plug here for another show and we are completely unaffiliated with them. Uh, it's just one that I do enjoy. It's called the Fall of Civilizations podcast and they do have an episode about one of the larger Polynesian colonies that was started. I forget exactly which one but they, you know, they go, uh, they go into the the Easter Island. I think it was Easter Island actually, and they go into like the the big sculptures and the 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 Moan, the Moe, yeah, the Moe sculptures, Moe, yeah. and like they do go, like they bring up, like I learned a shit ton about Polynesian culture from their documentary, and I mean, ultimately, we learned that uh, it didn't collapse so much as uh, white people showed up and got them sick. Uh, actually, oh, yeah. though. There was that insane famine that reduced them from like no. Well, the Moe specifically, right? It didn't. There's new archaeological evidence that they figured out a way to actually. So they have what's called rock gardens. Yeah. Oh shit! And they they, use rock gardens. Yeah, they were using rock gardens. So there, there wasn't actually a famine. They were hit with a uh, lack of rain. What, do you want to explain real quick for the audience what rock gardens are? So basically, it's a type of farming or agriculture or, or growth because you don't have to specifically use it for like a crop. You well, can do it with, like, a flower if you want. Oh, I was um, actually thinking about a different kind of rock garden. I'm thinking about the ones in the ocean. No. No, this, you... It, it, it's a weird design you do with stones around, like, a piece of soil. And the soil inside it is usually testing at, like, 90% more minerals and nutrients than the soil around it outside of it. Interesting. And you're able to grow like good crops doing this technique, even if you have minimal amounts of water or even minimal amounts of farmland. Yeah. So actually, that makes a lot of sense to me because uh, history trying to omit the blame from white people happens a lot. Happens a lot. And I always heard that they entered like a cycle of cannibalism due to a famine caused by rats. No, that didn't ever really happen. Didn't really happen. No, huh? they ate rats. I rats know. like that was a food staple. Of oh, theirs. I know they were, but like... okay. So the rat thing did kind of happen, where it did they fuck them the up, palm nuts, and, and it fucked them up a little bit. But they figured out a way around it really quick. Yeah, not like people thought. Yeah, they it? weren't practicing cannibalism. Ah. All right. So now we get to James Churchward. Uh, he's born February 27th, 1851, died January 4th, 1936. He was born in Bridestow, Oakhampton, Devon County, England. James had four brothers and four sisters. His father died when he was three. Gay. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Yeah, taking said, after, take it after my favorite girlfriend. She said good. <laughs> now, James uh, claimed he was a lieutenant colonel in the British Army 
1868 was stationed in India on famine relief duty. While there, he befriended a Rishi. This Rishi was said to have paranormal powers and showed these powers to James. Remind you, what's a Rishi? Is it like a priest? Yeah, it's pretty much a holy man. But yeah, he had paranormal powers and he showed these powers to James. I heard Yoda talking about midichlorians. I've been wondering, what are midichlorians? It's heroin. Now, they had to be good friends because one day and... I don't have an exact transcript, but I imagine this is exactly how the conversation went. Uh, one day, the Rishi was like, dude, you want to see these ancient tablets I got? And James was like, of course, bro. I love ancient tablets. Oh, shit. I can't read these. But then the Rishi was like, I got you. They're written by the Nikal, and I am one of the few people on Earth that can read it, and I'm going to teach you. Between this and John Smith... Joseph. Joseph Smith. I wonder how many times this scab has been pulled off in the last 10,000 yeah. years. Well, basically, James was like, for real? And then the Rishi was like, for, for real. real. <laughs> Angel says that this is the time we should do it now. Shit, I'm going to call Brody tomorrow. Who's Brody? That's my sweet connection. And he's got some unbelievable shifts. Right. Yeah. By um, listening to what a made-up Rishi said. And that, <laughs> and that is how James... No, the Rishi is real, okay? To who? Like to uh, us too? I like I want to make sure. Claus. Like <laughs> I can't like, tell at this point. Like is the is the Rishi real? But his advice is fake, or is he fake and his advice? The Rishi is, is the Rishi is real, like he's totally real. Santa is real. He's really, really real. In I can prove it. Exactly. Okay, so yeah, this is a miracle on Thirty Fourth Street thing. Yep. Your Honor, every one of these letters is addressed to Santa Claus. The post office has delivered them. Therefore, the post office department, a branch of the federal government, recognizes this man, Chris Kringle, to be the one and only Santa Claus. Uh, since the United States government declares this man to be Santa Claus, this court will not dispute it. Case dismissed. James... You know, he got his magic tablets from his Rishi, and, you know, that's how James found out about Mew, and, uh, basically, James traveled all over Southeast Asia collecting evidence, and, uh, gives, gives us the story of Mew. Um, uh, before we start, James was a racist, and he was, like, the product of the 1800s. He wasn't an extremist, and he didn't purposefully use his books as a vehicle for hate. But by our standards, he would definitely be considered an incredibly ignorant human being. Um, like again, like it just it—he it, was one of those. How could these people build these structures? They're primitives. They're savages. They couldn't have made these pyramids. Somebody else had to have. Well, yeah. I mean, they had to be made by aliens, because I mean. It's not like people that aren't white can build things. I know. I'm going to start saying that nobody could have built the cathedrals because uh, because white people were living in huts. So, like, they couldn't have had the technology and must have been aliens. Exactly. <laughs> like, no. yeah. No, what you need to do is you need to start decrying the temples that were built in, like, Scotland and stuff. And start claiming that Celts couldn't build that. Only Anglo white people. 
Exactly. Uh, now, he claimed that Moo laid in the Pacific Ocean, unlike Churchward, who church, or unlike uh, Augustus, who claimed it was in the Atlantic Ocean, um, and that it stretched from the north of Hawaii down to Mangaya and furthest south island of the Cook Islands, and east to west from the Marianas to the Easter Island. So basically, it took up the entire... Yeah, yeah. it pretty much took up all of the Pacific. Yeah, it sounds like if you took it like a kind of sideways potato... Yeah, like this and magnified is... And magnified it until it was the entire size of the Pacific Ocean sideways. Like, it is like somebody took the landmass of Asia... A, like a good chunk of Asia and, and copied just, it. Yeah, and just dropped in the Pacific. It is a huge landmass. So not not possible. Yeah. Uh. Basically, it, it, in the easiest terms, he claimed it was five thousand miles long east to west, and three thousand miles long north to south. Oh, so it's Candyland. It's a Leo Plurodon, Charlie. Magical Leo Plurodon. It's going to guide our way to Candy Mountain. All right, guys, you do know that there's no actual Candy Mountain, right? Sean the non-believer. Sean. Sean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so let's learn about the mythic island of Moo. It was inhabited by a superior human civilization called the Nakal, uh, N-A-A-C-A-L. The superior human civilization Nakal by the seven commands of the seven superlative intellects of the seven-headed serpent Narayana. This creation story dismisses the theory of evolution. Listen to this. Seven-minute amps. Right. Yes. I Okay. All right. I see where you're going. Think about it. You walk into a video store, you see eight-minute abs sitting there. There's right. seven-minute abs right beside it. Which one right. are you going to pick, man? I'm, I would go for the seven. Yeah, I'd go for Bingo, the man. Seven. Bingo. Seven-minute abs. And we right. guarantee just to get a workout is the eight-minute folk. You guarantee it? That's how do, you, how do you do that? If you're not happy with the first seven minutes, we're going to send you the extra minute free. See, that's it. That's our motto. That's where we're coming from. That's from A to B. That's right. That's that's good. That's good. Unless, of course, somebody comes up with uh, six-minute abs, then you're in trouble, huh? No! No, no, not six. I said seven. Nobody's coming up with six. Who works out in six minutes? You won't even get your heart going, not even a mouse right. on a wheel. Good point. Seven's yeah. the key number here. Think about it. Right. Seven, seven elevens? Yeah. Seven dwarfs? Seven, man, that's the number. Seven chipmunks twirling on a branch, eating lots of sunflowers on my uncle's ranch. You know that old children's tale from the sea? It's like you're dreaming about gorgonzola cheese when it's clearly brie time, baby. Step into my office. Why? Because you're fucking fired. So, uh, now Churchward gave a vivid description of Moo as the home of the, the advanced civilization of the Nakal, who flourished between 50,000 and 12,000 years ago. Uh, they were dominated by a white race, 
Okay, um, fifty thousand and twelve thousand. That's a that's a huge margin. Uh, I I I think I or, I mean, are you saying that he was claiming there was forty thousand year rule? Yeah, yeah. The between fifty, like between fifty thousand BC or whatever the fuck, and twelve. So we're, t- we're we're talking about a civilization like that's been around as le- about ten times as long as China. Yes. Continue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Continue. yeah. That's how long this goes. Uh, okay, so you're talking about a civilization that's been around since since uh, Australia has been inhabited. Continue. And again, it was dominated by a white race that was superior in many respects to our own. At the time of its demise, about 12,000 years ago, Mu had 64 million inhabitants in seven major cities. Wait, how many? 64 million inhabitants. Which is actually not that actually un- not of. that ridiculous. Not that ridiculous for something that size. But we're t- yeah. But okay. How how wide? Three thousand miles. Uh, three thousand by five thousand. I think. Three thousand. What's three thousand times five thousand? That's uh fifteen million. We're talking about seven million square miles that are just unaccounted for. Like so, like that is not that many people for that gigantic of a landmass. But also, it's candy land. So, like, what's the tax on candy canes? Uh, I don't know that. Um, what I can tell you is that they were separated as ten tribes that followed one government and one religion. I love how all their, like, <laughs> holy numbers are, like, I mean, ten is a little bit more of a universal holy number than seven. I like seven. I like, keep going about seven. Keep going with seven. No, seven. Seven's the number. <laughs> he claimed that according to the creation myth he read in the Indian tablets, Mu had been lifted above sea level by the expansion of underground volcanic gases. And eventually, Mu was completely obliterated in almost a single night after a series of earthquakes and volcanic eruptions. Oh, really? <laughs> yep. The broken land fell into the great abyss of fire and was covered by 50 millions of square miles of water. Isn't the Mariana Trench in the area that they're describing? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, it, it stretches to the Mariana Islands. Uh, Churchward claimed the reasoning for the continent's destruction in one night was because the main mineral on the island was granite and was honeycombed to create huge shallow chambers and cavities wait. filled with highly explosive gases. Uh, okay, wait, wait. Just so, explain that real quick. Or- so this is a science fiction novel, right? Pretty much. Okay, like, okay, I, I thought you meant like one night it commenced. Yeah, like- no, no, it sank into the ocean over a single night. And it's because they kept mining their island and they honeycombed it. And there was a shit ton of explosive gases that built up, apparently. And uh, once the chambers were empty after the explosions, they collapsed in on themselves, causing the island to crumble and sink. Okay. Now, the best part of all of this... Mm-hmm. Is that he claims that it caused the the entire Earth's diameter to shrink? Okay, you know, okay, I, <laughs> you know why I'm pretty sure he thought about that is because the theory high. Well, actually, a prominent theory before um, Platonic uh, t- uh, t- tectonic plate theory was that the Earth was getting like bigger all the time, right. and that's what pushed the continents around. But um, it turned. People actually thought that the idea of continents floating around was more um, science fiction than that at the time. But um, so I mean, it sounds like a remnant of that. I mean, I know this was around the time that plate tectonics was was um, really fleshed out as a science. This whole thing sounds less scientifically sound 
than Battlefield Earth. And that, that's really saying. Oh, and I mean, you know, like, they're like classic advanced ancient civilization. So they got like flying cars and like glass spires stretching up to the clouds and like. So how did they not conquer all the other continents when they started sinking? It happened in a night. How are 64 million people supposed to leave in a night? So they're so advanced that How they about should know about all this like glass spire shit, but they can't know when they need to leave or have a contingency plan? Of course not. Why? <laughs> they were perfect. They didn't have to fear anything. Except in their, of course, their, their knowledge of their impending doom. No. <laughs> yeah, so no had, no okay that's that's the answer no do i have to bring out the no do i have to bring out the tectonic no plate? well you got to remember all of this is taking place in like 1860 so they don't know nothing about plate tectonics. They know about no. <laughs> no, no they don't. Does it, they don't know yeah. that no means no. They know about no, but they don't know that no means no. Uh, so basically, church word like after this, you know, he clay like he used like weird mistranslations of religious texts, and um, he attributed attributed all the megalithic art in Polynesia to the people of Mu. Like, this is the stuff he was using for evidence. So he was using his dreams as evidence? Pretty much. <laughs> now, back to James. Uh, despite having the tablets in research for 50-plus years, he first started talking about Mu in the 1920s. Remember, he learned about this in, like, 1869. So he never published anything about it. Never me. started talking about it until like the eight until nineteen twenties. He was already like in his seventies, I think. So right after World War One, yeah, pretty much. The tablets have never been seen or found. Neither has the Rishi or the temple itself, or Mu, of course, because it's all bullshit. Um, don't call it bullshit, Sophia. We don't know that yet. Bullshit. Now remember, in eighteen sixty eight. He was a lieutenant colonel. That's a pretty high rank in the military. James would have been 17 or 18 years old. Which military again? Uh, the British which... military. Mm-hmm. Okay. You... What crisis were they having? Were they, <laughs> like, I know we were having our whole like uh, president killing thing. He, there's no way he could have made the rank of colonel. There's no way. You play... Oh, no, you're saying it's a lie. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to believe someone that young could have risen to the rank of admiral. And now I get it. Records from the 1800s, kind of hard to get a hold of. But this is the British military. So they were keeping records out the ass at this point. What we do know is that an 1871 census showed that he was living with his mother and employed as a banker in England. So he no, sounds I, like the Tinker ta- Tailor Soldier Spy. Okay, here's the thing: it's not like the census checks that. Like, yeah, you could just kind of say whatever. But that that, I, that that's our one record of where he may have actually been in 1871. So unless he went to uh, wherever the fuck he went, India, and then came back in the course of like two years. No, I just mean I don't think he was a banker. Oh, yeah. Tinker, no, Tinker I, Taylor, I, I, Soldier, I think, Spy. 
I think that he bought a bunch of bonds, like government bonds, and he covered, called himself a banker or some other, like... Why do you think he bought them? Well, he okay. called himself a banker. He may have been a banker. Uh, well, another thing we do know is that in December of 1871, he married a woman named Mary Julia Stevens and became the owner of two tea plantations in Sri Lanka. By 1872, James and his wife were living in Sri Lanka and had their son, James Alexander Churchward. Sorry, I was getting a little froggy. So, we do know that he was in Sri Lanka in the 1870s. Mm-hmm. Like, we do have verified reports. Oh, well, uh, that's kind of close to India. Exactly, that's kind of close. Uh, in 1881 census, uh, James lists his occupation as East Indian planter and likely worked his tea farms. He may have also been part of the local militia. Wait, what was this other census? What year? 1881. Gotcha, gotcha. So there's 10 years that's kind of just unaccounted for. Oh, yeah, but I mean, uh, censuses are only taken once every 10 years. Yeah, but that's kind of like a thing with James, is that there are large gaps of time that are just unaccounted for. Like, nobody can really tell what he was doing or where he was. In September of 1881, James fled the country at night in disguise. I couldn't find out what he did to have to flee Sri Lanka in the middle of the night in a disguise, but I assume it was something really bad. <laughs> uh, Boys. He was likely wanted Spices. by the Sri Lankan or British authorities or both, and for some reason sailed around the Pacific for a few years. Boys filled with spices. Yeah. So he just kind of was a like a homeless seaman for a few years. <laughs> And again, I couldn't find out what he did, but there was a note like to his wife that they found where he was like, yeah, I got to get the fuck out of town. God, what the fuck did he do? I don't know. And I really want to. He left for the USA uh, sometime in the 1890s. At some point over the next few years, he would meet Augustus and Alice Plongeon. Uh and they would discuss their theories of lost civilizations and continents. James would also invent valenium steel, which was used for armor plating on ships during World War One. Okay, valenium sounds like some sort of like science fiction-y, like Lord of the Rings crap. The dude was a science fiction author! Yeah, I know, but that one sounds really science fiction-y. In 1926, at 75 years old, he published The Lost Continent of Mew, Motherland of Man. And over the next 10 years, he would give lectures about Mew, get involved with a cult, and generally just live his life. Nice. I mean, he sounds like he had fun. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like he had uh, cool basically, life. he waited for Augustus to die, and then his wife to die, and then stole his theories. And placed nice. him in the Atlantic. This guy's awesome. How old was he at this point? 75. 75 when he started nice. talking, and then he talked for another decade, right? Yeah. So from like 1926 to 1937. God, he was like a 75-year-old <laughs> man by the time he started stealing somebody's research. Yeah. And he was all crazy research. In the mid-80s when he died. Now, a, a, a key uh, difference between his theory, obviously, is that Moo was in the Pacific, where Augustus believed it was in the Atlantic. James believed that Atlantis was real, but it was simply a colony of Moo. Oh, really? Yes. Now, what? interestingly enough, 
uh, in his writings, James believed all people came from Mu and wrote that if we reconnected and realized our shared human existence, that we wouldn't have as many wars or as much struggle and strife in life. It sounds like if he wasn't racist, he could have just used the concept of... He could have invented the concept of Pan-Africanism, like, 80 years early. Yeah. Now, again, though... uh, Claimed the original Maya were white people who settled in South America, and these are the survivors of when Moo sank. Nice. So, so they're all they're all white people. Yeah, they're all white people. Well, no, uh, they built the pyramids in the cities, and then they uh, became complacent and were driven out by the Mongols. Wait, when if we when did the Mongols come into this? You not talk about the Mongols. Did they? Well, that's the why Mongols they had to go to this? Atlantis. What? That's why they had to go to Atlantis. Because the Mongols? I thought they sunk. They sunk, and then they went to South America. But, but where then... did the Mongols come in? Did the Mongols sink Atlantis? No, they come after. Okay, how? <laughs> They're just there. They're just in America. The, Nicole, the descendants of the Nicals became complacent. They got lazy. Then, they built a paradise again, and they got lazy. And then the United States military came in and took their oil. No, the Mongols <laughs> came in and took their oil. It might as well be the same <laughs> shit. Like, it's only impossible. I know. The, Here's American uh, immersion. I know. The dragon picks you, and they come to get the oh, unobtainium. I'm know. sorry. I'm sorry. The white Mayans then uh, settled into Europe and began the Aryan race. Uh, they oh, have good. A- <laughs> the Aryans going to play. Yeah, to play. Good. Sorry, sorry. Good. So we've got uh, we've got <laughs> unobtainium and we've got the Aryans. This sounds like the best Avatar oh, fanfic by ever. The way, I used to think, I, well, oh, I know the staff is like a little bit too long. They're never going to be able to dig, or sorry, a little too short. They're never going to dig in the right place. Here's Wait, the are thing. you talking about? Is this is this uh, Indiana Jones? Yeah, I mean, all things are about Indiana Jones. <laughs> We're talking about archaeology, like... Isn't are we? <laughs> 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 no, we're not. We're talking about fucking fan fiction at best. Um, weird Indiana Jones fan fiction. Yeah. If this were on an uh, uh, archive of our, of our own, nobody would be reading it. Well, here's the thing. Not only did they start the Aryan race in Europe, they also settled in Egypt and built the, the Egyptian pyramids. So the Forrest Gumps of history. Essentially, yeah. Um now, James Churchward's great-grandson, he runs a website that is dedicated to his great-grandfather's work. In a I-have-to-preserve-history way or in a, like, tinfoil hat way? In a I-have-to-preserve-history way. He okay. denounces his grandfather, and he was like, yeah, my father always told me he was full of shit. <laughs> and I just, and I say that about him, too. He what? was full of shit. <laughs> now, my story begins in 19 dickety We had to say dickety, because the Kaiser had stolen our weird 20. I chased that rascal to get it back, but gave up after dickety six miles. <laughs> dickety? Highly dubious. Like, I went to the website. I got some of the information from there. I watched an interview with him on a podcast where, like, the interviewer, like, really wanted him to be tinfoil hatty, it seemed like. But he was like, nah. Nah, my grandfather was, like, a crazy dude. who was just trying to make money, I think. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, you can check out the website. It's pretty interesting. Uh, in the URL? Mm-hmm. It'll be in the show notes, people. You can always follow us on Facebook to see, too. Oh, yeah, it, it, the website was www.my-mu.com 
and that, that, that that's the website that the that the great grandson runs. And, and our Facebook page, as Millie said, um, where you can find updates about the show, announcements about new show episodes, etc., is facebook.com slash nerdforensics. And if you're too lazy to type out the address, you can just copy it from there. Come on. Interact. Do some stuff. If we get the thing going, maybe I'll add some puzzles and some games, and I'll have, like, um, uh, Highlights Magazine, but for, like, stoned adults. We are a niche. We're like the people that know what fantastic planet is but like cooler okay so to close out this episode i got a fucking mind blower for you there is a sunken continent in the pacific ocean what it's called zealandia near new zealand it is new zealand oh so the only parts of it that actually are above the ocean anymore are new zealand and new caledonia uh, basically, this was a continent that was, tr- like, between Australia and Antarctica. And as the plate stretched out and shifted, it became smaller. Like, it sank further and further as it got stretched out further and further. So, there is a sunken continent in the Pacific. See, when I heard Zealandia, I was expecting you to start talking about a Disney movie that furries jerk off to. And then... I mean, you can make this. That's Zoolandia. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's Zoolandia. Or Zootopia. Or Zootopia, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's Zootopia. Yeah, whatever, we've all seen the rabbit. Move on. Yeah, I like the one about abortion where the rabbit's like all pissed off. Oh, I know. I I don't know what it is about the, the, like, weird, like, furry fan base that has attached itself to that rabbit and that fox, like, constantly but it's and then it's, it's when like, they make it about abortion it's it, funny no, that's what i mean yeah that, that's, that's <laughs> what i've seen is i've seen the memes about abortion like i don't know i don't know if it's like part of a larger comic series or what but there's uh, memes about a fox and a rabbit dealing with abortion through a very weird toxic christian lens Isn't i have it? not seen this but it sounds interesting all right well, yeah should, i'll i'll set jacob I'll set. The episode down. and all right jacob let's do it do what? Close out the show. Oh. Well, uh, there's no fucking lost continent called Moo. I can tell you that. The Nicals didn't exist. They didn't have a queen named Moo who reincarnated into Alice. This, this is pseudoscience from the 1800s. These people didn't know shit about shit. Like, I understand that you have to look at it through, like, the lens of what they had and... Again, most modern people understood that the fucking Mayans were younger civilization than the than the Egyptians by that point. The pro, his whole theory was fucking backwards, both of them. God damn it. This is why we can't have nice things. All right, well, I want to close it out with two final things. One, your body is a pipe that connects your asshole to your mouth. And two, Wakanda forever. I've been Millicent Oriana. This has been the Nerd Forensics about the Lost Continent of Moo. And like always, death to the surface dwellers. I'm sorry. Death to the surface dwellers.